One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. Hey there, it's Dr. Noseworthy. Let's continue on with this discussion about tier two testing, and we're going to move away from chronic viruses, and we're going to talk about toxicity. Um, I bet you guessed, you probably didn't think that there were so many different tests to think about. And, and I guess if that's true, then that's a good thing. Now your, your eyes are open to the world of diagnostics and what's available to you, what might be relevant and my, what might not be relevant. And again, that's a good thing. So toxicity. Wow. This is like a big topic um, for a couple of different reasons. Number one is just the simple context of the world that we live in. So first of all, there are billions of tons of chemicals that are dumped into the environment every year around the world. Um, and unfortunately, the industrial complex, if you will, is governed by post-market laws, which means that there's very little regulation and oversight that governs what chemicals different manufacturing companies can create or what they can release into the environment. And the sad reality is, is that it, it takes a, an awful lot of people getting very sick before anybody really starts paying attention. And, and, and so we have collectively been dumping, again, billions of tons of chemicals into the environment. And where do these things go, right? These, there's toxins in our air. It's in our water. It's in our food. We're exposed to it through our clothing, for example, with different textiles, uh, chemicals that are used for dyes, dry cleaning chemicals, it's in our furniture, it's in the textiles in the home, it's in our TVs, it's in our computers, it's in your household cleaners, your soaps, your shampoos, your cosmetics, it's even in some of your cookware and even on the receipt that you just got from the grocery store. And in short, <laughs> there is no escape. It's a toxic world and, and that's just what it is. Just like, you know, again, we talked about viruses and, and how we all have viruses. We live in a in a pathogen or a virally laden world. It's no wonder everybody has viruses. But again, not everyone is sick. We live in a toxic world. Everybody has a toxic burden. But again, not everybody is sick. And so what I want to talk about today, and, I, and I'm really just kind of setting this up. So this is going to be part two of probably a two-part chat about toxicity and then testing that might be relevant. <coughs> and you know, one of the ways that we try to figure out why two people can be exposed to the same environment and one is sick by the environment and the other one is not, is to understand that how we handle the toxicity or the potential toxicity of our environment is governed by a handful of things, right? It's governed by um, several different mechanisms involved in the liver, like everybody knows the liver does detox. But there are three distinct phases of detox as it relates to liver function. We call them phase one, two, and three. Another aspect that determines whether or not someone's going to be sick from the environment that they live in is whether or not they have adequate levels of glutathione, which is our, our mac daddy of all antioxidants. We'll come back to these. And, you know, in the last episode, I mentioned the reason why some people are, um, 
are sick with viruses and others are not is the degree of immune competence and control that they have or that they don't have. And the same thing applies to the environment. And again, we'll come back to that. But I'll tell you, one of the one of the major problems, and there's several major problems that I see both in the in the marketplace, if you will, as well as on the clinical side. Like you can go to any grocery store and while you're in the checkout line, you're probably like me, you're looking at the covers and the magazines. Um, and you know, you'll see these like whether it's woman's world or something like that, it'll say like, you know, lose 28 pounds in 10 days with this detox. And these are honestly, these are outrageous claims. Um, you will see all over the internet, you'll see eating certain foods are going to quote, make you detox like crazy. And I'm, and I'm pulling these quotes actually from things that I have seen myself. And, and then we have all manner of um, health experts and nutritionists touting detox shakes or um, drinking things like lemon water and making claims that this will help you detox. And, and it's all baloney, to be honest. Um, now, on the clinical side, you have a lot of docs in natural medicine out there that do a detox out of the gate with every single client that they work with. Now, that might be good. It might be bad. A lot of it depends on the person that is involved in that relationship. But none of that is to say that detox is unimportant. Detox can be very important. But the importance is going to vary from person to person. Now, I have, in my career, run enough toxin-related panels and diagnostics with objective data to tell you that while everybody does have a toxic load, we all don't have the same load. I mean, we have the same kinds of things because we live in the same world together. We're all exposed to the same stuff. But if I have, say, five different toxin panels come back in any given period of time on five different people, I'm going to see different things that are elevated in different people. I'm going to see some things in two people and not, not those things in, in the other three and vice versa. And so it's not like everybody's got exactly the same toxic burden. And that's a little bit of a nuanced statement because, again, we're all exposed to the same chemicals and we all have these chemicals on our body. It's just that at some point we think that maybe, maybe things have gone wrong and now we have way too much in our system. So context is really important. Um, and, you know, even though somebody might have a quantitatively higher toxic load than somebody else, another person with a theoretically lower toxic burden can actually be struggling more with the chemicals that they have. And, and so I'll tell you that one of the things that's changed in the last, I'm going to say about 10 years of research and clinical practice, and, and it's probably longer than that in, in research because things show up in research before it filters out into, um, in, into how we actually work with people, into the clinical applications. But one of the things that's, that really kind of dominated the field of toxicity research for many decades is just simply the idea of how much. And whether we're talking about heavy metals like mercury or different environmental chemicals like uh, BPA, for example, um, or if we're talking about uh, mycotoxins or food-related toxins, the vast majority of doctors doing toxin or detox-related work and testing are simply concerned about how much somebody has. And the idea is that if you have a certain toxin or toxins that are above a, a recommended threshold or what we might call a normal level, then things are bad. And if they're under the, that normal level or if they're within accepted norms, 
then everything's okay. And that's just simply not true. We know why. And I'll get into that probably in the next episode because that that's a, a deeper and a broader conversation. But to give you just kind of the big picture, there's when it comes down to toxicity, there's really two issues. Number one is how much do you have? Because quantity does matter for most people. And the other aspect is, is your immune system involved? Like, do you have what we call chemical tolerance? And that's the, the whole idea of uh, immune competence and control. Some people handle their environment very well, even though they have just the same chemical burden as, as you or I. Other people handle it very poorly, even though they might have a lower, although it has been my experience. And again, this is generally true. There will be exceptions. It is generally true that the, that the more sick patients that I work with or the patients I work with that are more sick than others tend to have a higher chemical burden. And it's probably related to those three things that I said before, right? And, and so why don't we go ahead and we'll, let's talk about liver phase one, two, and three. Let's talk about glutathione and let's talk about chemical tolerance in the immune system and how it all relates to whether or not you are toxic and how your body, body is handling that. So first of all, um, in, in terms of the liver, we have what we call phase one, two, and three detox. And, and the liver is really related to phase one and two, but we just tag number three onto that. And I'll explain that here in a second. But when we look at environmental toxins, like chemical toxins, for example, they are um, hydrophobic is the term. Basically, they're, they're lipophilic. They love fat and they're hydrophobic. They hate water. And what that means is that chemicals in your body, toxins in your body want to get stored into fatty tissue and they will resist clearance because in order to get things out of the body, we either have to sweat them out hence the popularity of things like infrared saunas for detoxification or just sweating when you're exercising. But also think about excreting chemicals and toxins in your urine, right? That's mostly water. And also the bulk of toxins that we excrete go out through your stool and there's water content to that. And so if, in order for us to excrete toxins that are in the body, they have to be mixable with water. They have to be hydrophilic, not hydrophobic. They have to love water, be attracted to it, and not be repelled by it. And so phase one in the liver is an enzyme system. You may have heard terms like cytochrome P450 before. That's a family of enzymes uh, in, in the liver that's involved in detoxification. They do other things as well. But involved in taking things that are hydrophobic, meaning they don't mix well with water, and using some kind of an enzyme to, to change that initial parent molecule, that toxin, so that it now converts into something that is more hydrophobic. I'm sorry, hydrophilic. It's easy to get those terms mixed up. And so the phase one basically is an enzyme system that takes a parent compound and prepares it for excretion by changing it some way at a molecular level, so to speak. Now, phase two has to do with um, combining what comes out of phase one, out of, out of that enzymatic process, and combining it with bile. And bile is very important. Now, usually when I say bile, people think gallbladder. Yes, gallbladder is, is where we store and concentrate bile, but bile is actually made by your liver. So we're still talking liver. And so the liver is very important. Liver health is very important for phases one and two. Again, we take a toxin, we use an enzyme to change it somehow, and then we combine it with bile so that we can get it into the intestines where it gets incorporated into stool, and then we get it out of the body. And again, this is all 
hydrophilic, where the toxins now love water and they get attracted to water as opposed to fat. So that's phase one and two. And then phase three is just elimination, right? So we go from liver to, to bile and gallbladder, if you will, to bowel movement. And as long as the phase one enzymatic system is working well, as long as we are producing sufficient bile and we can concentrate it, store it, and then mix toxins with bile, toxins that have been processed by your phase one liver. And then as long as we can move our bowels on a consistent basis, then generally we can handle the toxic environment we're in. As long as we're not involved in some kind of activity, uh, like a hobby, a recreational thing, or a job, <clears throat> pardon me, where we're exposed to some kind of extra measure, like an extra amount of toxins. And usually it's specific things. Here's an example. If you are, let's say that you're a painter and you like to paint and you use paint thinners and you use different chemicals and the paints themselves are chemicals, but maybe you don't use gloves. Like you're going to have an increased toxin load in the types of chemicals that are found in those materials that maybe I won't because I'm not a painter. Um, I remember, and I actually use this case to just talking, and obviously this is anonymous, but it's a real patient. I use this in my 3D detox course that I have available on my website. And, um, and it's a guy who, who uh, owns and works in a body shop. So he's got his hands in, uh, or had, because we've changed these behaviors, but he used to have his hands in, in degreasers and all kinds of chemicals that are used in in sanding and binding and painting metal and plastics and all those kind of things that go into fixing damaged and, and repairing vehicles. And so when we got his toxin load back, he had chemicals elevated that I typically don't see in other people, just but they're specific to his occupation and his job. And so again, just to kind of reiterate, everybody's toxic. <laughs> and that, that's not the question. But we have these systems like liver phase one, two, and three that allow us to take toxins, transform them into something that we can get rid of. And again, we can do it through sweat, through urine, or through bowel, and most of our toxins are excreted through the intestinal system. So here's rule number one, and you can get this for free. Don't ever do a detox if you're not moving your bowels every day. Just don't do it, because where do you think those toxins are going? Right. If you can't, if you're not moving your bowels every day, then then maybe you had a, an efficient phase one and two, and you were transforming the chemicals into something that can be excreted, but it just kind of sits in your intestines for a while. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's two days, maybe it's more. There's something called enterohepatic recirculation, where those toxins actually get released back into the bloodstream. And so you just end up with this closed loop of toxins that continue to circulate around, and you can never get rid of them. And this is unfortunately one of the consequences of having a toxic burden is that we typically see a decrease in the ability to handle the toxins themselves. And they're kind of sneaky like that. Not that toxins are animate things, but we talked about how sneaky viruses are in their ability to shut down detection or shut down how the cells tell the immune system, hey, I'm infected, come get rid of me. And so it's part of their survival mechanism. But by, by their very nature, there are certain chemical classes that actually basically shut down your detox, for lack of a better way of saying it, so that you can't get rid of them. And they just keep circulating and circulating. Listen, these things can last in your body for decades. And again, something that I, just a couple of cases that I talked about in my 3D detox program, um, are two women, they were in their you know early 60s, and they were alive, obviously, back in the 70s. 
sixties and early seventies when, um, communities were using a, a chemical called DDT to kill mosquitoes. And that was stopped in 1972, I believe it was, because they realized how poisonous DDT was. And you can go on the internet and find pictures of people spraying DDT in populated beaches. Who wants mosquitoes at the beach? Well, I'd rather have mosquitoes at the beach than cancer when I'm 50 years old. But these two ladies that we did these toxin screens on, we found metabolites of DDT in their bloodstream, but that hasn't been in production or use. DDT has not been used since 1972, and this was just a couple of years ago. We're talking like 2021, 2020. So think about that. Like Once you get a toxin load, unless you're handling things properly and you're paying attention to it on a consistent basis, they will hang around in your body, and they will potentially wreak havoc with your, uh, with your physiology. So liver phase one, two, and three, right? It's an enzyme system. It's related to bile formation and function, gallbladder, and then it's about getting rid of them through good, healthy gut function and daily bowel movements. The second aspect of, of how someone handles their environment well is whether or not they have sufficiency of an antioxidant called glutathione. You've probably heard about glutathione. It, it is the major intracellular antioxidant that protects your cells from inflammation and oxidative stress, and we can make it. We have enzymes that allow us to take three different amino acids and then put it together to, to make this thing called glutathione. But the problem is, even though it's a, a kind of a renewable resource, if you will, because we can make it on our own and we can take it in supplement form, sometimes there ends up being a mismatch between what we need and what we can make. Because if our toxin load is so high and it outpaces our ability to use glutathione and then reconstitute it, then we end up in a deficit and we don't have the glutathione to handle the toxic load. Now, why is that important? Because glutathione is a natural chelator. It will bind to and neutralize things like heavy metals and chemical toxins. And so it's hugely advantageous for us to think about making sure that your body can make glutathione on its own. And if necessary, we can supplement it as well. And then finally, in our kind of like triad of the things that really make up our ability to handle our, our chemical environment or not is this thing called chemical tolerance. Now, you've heard me talk about this before in prior episodes in different contexts. But basically, tolerance, as it relates to the immune system, is the, the ability to not react to something. So why is it that somebody, you know, let's say that you're walking with a friend through Dillard's. It's my classic example. You're walking through Dillard's and you have to go past that... Um, you have to go past the, um, the the perfume counter. And so you go through the perfume counter, and then all of a sudden your friend's eyes start to water, and then she complains that she's dizzy and she's got a headache. And then you get outside, and within a few minutes it's all gone. But you're fine. Acute exposure to odors, whether it's from perfumes or diesel exhaust or whatever, it doesn't really matter. If somebody doesn't have tolerance immunological tolerance to chemicals that are in their environment, they get symptomatic. So someone who has tolerance, chemical tolerance, can be exposed and it doesn't seem to bother them. Now they still have to engage their phase one, two, and three liver and gut pathway. They still have to use up their glutathione. But if those things are working well and their immune system is calm and stable, then being exposed to chemicals or lotions or shampoos or smells 
doesn't create any problem. But for people who are losing tolerance, for people who have deficient glutathione stores and can't chelate, bind and neutralize chemical toxins, for people who have alterations in their gut, they're not moving their bowels every day, they have deficiencies in bile formation, and there's many things that can cause that, or they have something that's affecting their phase one uh, liver enzyme system, for example, hypothyroidism is a, is a common one, then these people are the ones who begin to get symptomatic when they get exposed to some kind of a chemical toxin. Now this is, again, it's a fairly complex topic, and so it's gonna take more than one episode to go through it, but I, I do want you to know that you can go to my website, and in the learning section, I have a course called 3D Detox. It's dirt cheap. And you might want to think about that. And I'm not saying, you know, hey, go jump, do it, and do, it, do a, a detox right now, because I don't know your clinical case. I don't know your situation. Detox might not be the best first thing for you to do. But as we start approaching the new year, a lot of people are starting thinking like, okay, I'm going to start doing all the things that I knew I should have done in the past year. I'm going to start doing them in January. And, you know, if you're like everybody else, you're going to join a gym, you're going to clean up your diet, and maybe you do some kind of a detox. Wouldn't it be smart if you knew what detox really meant and what the best way to approach it is. And that's part of the 3D detox. I call it the new science of, de of detoxification, 3D detox. So you can check that out on my website. All right, we'll have a part two on this. So that's a wrap for this episode. If you want more information, you can go to my website. Check out drnoseworthy.com. Of course, you can find me on all the major social media channels. Links are in the episode description here. But please remember to rate, comment, like, follow, do all those little bells and whistle things. It, it helps me, but it also helps others like you find the information that they need to begin their own healing journey. Because after all, we are all in this together. I'll see you in the next episode.